Kinging away, Fox Beard, Locker's acting very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons, and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendy's dog, Ransom is very harsh. Four drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Teacher, bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fox is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Cedar's cat, Kempak's cat, Q has had enough of that. Beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are the first series, you can join us live by picking up your phone now. We talk about the series. Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. It is Thursday, March 9th, 2023. And this is our 519th episode. Wow, wow, wow. Um, tonight, we're going to be talking about Star Trek Picard, episode 3, 17 seconds. And our phone number is 646-668-2433. 2433 So you can definitely let your fingers do the walking and call Trek Talking and share your opinion about the 17 second episode of Picard, which was last week's episode. All right, guys, before we go too far, though, I would like to go around the room and introduce my awesome, awesome Trexperts. And we'll start off with Charles. Charles is out in Las Vegas. How are you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing good. <clears throat> Weather was blistery and cold last weekend, but it's improving this weekend. We're getting back into some decent weather, and might I be see some seventies next week? Wow, awesome! And we also have with us our very own Eric. Eric's out in Portland. How you doing tonight, Eric? You know, I'm doing pretty good, Jim. Uh, I a long day. I, I have I had one of those days. You know how when you work at home, sometimes you where you have to wear your headphones all day long. I think my headphones are literally glued to my head because I've had them on literally all day long. So if I'm unable to from the podcast, uh, let's just keep broadcasting. Let's just keep going, man. Okay. <laughs> 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 Eric's, in, Eric's in the bathroom now, but we can still podcast with him. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> now he's outside taking the garbage to the curb. This is great. We're getting a whole yeah. like play-by-play, man. <laughs> it could be. It could be good. You never know. Yeah, I like it. You, you never know. We also have with us David, the donut guy, also from Portland. How you doing, David? Yeah, pretty good. I got a little bit of a sore throat going on, but other than that, it's raining out. That's pretty cool. Have a maple glazed donut. That'll help. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Coat that throat with maple. I love it. And wrapping up our trifecta from Portland, we have our very own wine slash toy guy, Paul. How you doing tonight, Paul? Oh, dude, I'm doing good. It's been a, a rough sledding couple of weeks. I don't mind telling you, but uh, but I got a lot done, and uh, I actually am super excited for what is to come next week. Uh, I actually won't be 
able to be on Trek Talking next week because for the first time in like 16 years, I am leaving the country. Wow. I'm taking a vacation. Yeah, man. So I'm going to go visit. um, I got to go troll the the Trek Talking webpage and find out if we have any uh, uh, top fans who live in Costa Rica. Uh, uh-huh. Because that's where I'm bound, brother. I'm uh, heading down south and uh, going to live uh, La Vida Pura and uh, have some uh, fun with the sloths and toucans. <laughs> that's so going to be amazing. Get, uh, you know, bat- batten down the hatches. Uh, we'll see what happens, see what kind of Star Trek lore there is down there. So I'm looking forward that's... to it. It'll be good. Sad to miss next week because it uh, sounds like we'll be talking about a heck of an episode from what I've heard. The one that aired today. So I'll be sad to miss that convo. But uh, I, I'll somehow... I, 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 plow through it no win scenario i think it is yeah well i haven't watched it yet but boy the word of mouth is just nuts people say it's great so i'm uh another uh another um uh, number one directed uh sortie from what i understand well guys if paul's not going to be here should we cancel the podcast (laughs) <laughs> we must carry well, I, I think why don't you guys must. just you know it's not uh, really to get to, why don't you just let's why don't, bring your tickets and come on down to Costa right and we'll just do it on the beach be down okay. there right we'll, like we'll do a road show oh, you know yeah, I'm pretty I sure like they that. have internet down there so you know I think we could have a good time so I think we first round's on me too, I believe haven't we Eric yeah I know I want to find out I uh I you know I I don't have my list with now so I'm not sure Jim but I feel like I remember it uh definitely people checking in with us from Costa Rica at one point yeah. so I, I think Paul's got the right idea he needs to put the feelers and see what's going on down there yeah it's a pretty uh it's a pretty happy place from what I understand it's, it's considered to be the happiest place on earth by many uh by many uh, well-being assessments, so uh, <laughs> that's, that's got oh, my name written all over it, man. That's Disneyland. what I need. <laughs> it's not Disneyland. What's that? <laughs> no, you mean, except for those in Disneyland. <laughs> yeah, well, it'll be happier once I'm there, man. That's that's all I know. I'll, I'll, I'll raise <laughs> the temperature a little bit. Uh, oh, that's 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 absolutely awesome. To see if they have any any truck stuff while you're down there. Mm-hmm. We'll see, man. We'll see what's going on. You never know. You know, maybe they have some like, some figures that we don't have here. I, that, I, I don't know. Maybe uh, uh, you know, uh, Latin America is also famous for. Uh, I'll have to dig some up and share with you guys, but uh, I don't know if it's as much as it is now in the '90s. But in the '90s, it was a magical land of many crazy bootleg toys that are just like you know. I mean, hilarious. I mean, just so hilarious. I'll, I'll find some and uh, share them with you. But they're just like hilarious. Like the Vulcan. <laughs> oh God, yeah. Or like some. I've seen some. I've seen some Star Wars knockoffs that were made like yeah. in Mexico, and just oh my God, it's there. I mean, they look like somebody made them in a washing machine. <laughs> it's just, it's fantastic. <laughs> so you never know what you're going to see, man. But I don't think I would be doing much uh, uh, of that kind of thing. Uh, much as I like to stay fan oriented, I think I'm going to be spending a lot of time in the jungle and the beach. So we'll we'll find out. Though. Well, I, that's awesome. And before we we dive in to the meat and potatoes of the podcast, there is one thing we have to get out of the way, and that is we have to hear from our sponsors. 
Trek Talking would like to invite you to attend Trek Long Island at the Hyatt Regency Long Island Hotel in beautiful Hophog, New York on May 20th and 21st, 2023. Trek Long Island will have a variety of guests ranging from the original series to Discovery, Picard, Strange New Worlds, and beyond. Doug Jones, David Ajala, Oded Fayer, Franz Nguyen, Issa Briones, Evan Evagora, Raven Dauda, Sandy Gimple, Tanya Lamani, and Fumsil Satoli are just a few of the guests currently scheduled, with more to come. Enjoy interacting with celebrities at guest panels, or snag a photo op or autograph from your favorite actor. Craving the real stuff? Sit in on science panels with real scientists from NASA and accredited professionals in a variety of scientific fields. Or take in a panel where we discuss how Trek's influence on diversity and inclusion has affected Trek fans and the rest of the real world. Love podcasts? We do too. Meet the people behind the voices from Trek Talking, The Sci-Fi Sisters, Strange New Pod, Women at Warp, Roy's Tie-Dye Sci-Fi Corner, and more. Don't forget to visit the vendor room where you will find exhibitors and authors, and where you can pick up an exclusive offering from Mego Toys. Purchase a general admission ticket or upgrade to the Q-Pass, which offers you preferred seating, early access admission to a VIP dinner and show with actress Bonnie Gordon, and more. Trek Long Island is a family-friendly event with many programs and activities, so bring the little tribbles with you. Let's beam Trek back to the East Coast with a bang. Just visit treklongisland.com for updates and to buy your tickets. We will see you out there. Engage. And Paul, Paul, what's the easiest way for our fans to find out about Trek Long Island? Well, first of all, what I do is I would listen to that commercial again because that's the longest commercial I've ever heard. It's got so much information in it. It's just like it's like I could see the calendar pages like you know uh, tearing off in front of me. It was like amazing. There's so much information crammed in that. It just blows my mind. But you know, what if I'm technologically challenged, man? And what if I can't get that commercial to play again, right? Or whatever. I can't remember it all day. You know, I'm probably just gonna go to TrekTalking.com because that is just overflowing like a hot burner cauldron of oatmeal, right? I mean, there's just so much information there. There's insane pictures of Eric and costumes on trektalking.com. There are links, there's videos, there's like uh, Jim's honeymoon video, I'm pretty sure is on trektalking.com. I've seen <laughs> that on there. Um, there's a uh, Charles skydiving. Uh, there's David uh, doing some kind of like weird scuba diving thing with tribbles. It's crazy. So all the information you can ever have about anything, especially like, uh, uh, um, what is it? Bob's, uh, voodoo, uh, tie dye corner. I can't remember what it's called. It's, oh, it's, Roy's it's sci-fi tie dye corner. Ro- yeah. Roy's sci-fi tie dye corner. I'm pretty sure you'll can find that on truckdocking.com too. So pretty much Jim, the answer to any questions you may have for the rest of the night are, is truckdocking.com. You know, and I think that, Jim, I think we are poised and ready to add another section to trektalking.com here. My, what I think we should do is I think we need another tab that is called Paulism. Because honestly, when this brother lays down things like overflowing like hot cauldron of oatmeal, I want that to be remembered (laughs) for the ages. (laughs) 
It, that is a T-shirt. I think that has good market value. I think we could, you know, <laughs> we need a page for all students here. Right, that, and and I think we need a, a music page too, with all the different songs that have been generated over time. Right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so there's always room to grow on TrekDocking dot com. We want that. I, was... I want a uh, novel and comic page too. There you go. Now we're talking. Oh. We, we need a beheadings are on Wednesdays page. You know, <laughs> 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 yeah. uh, you know right. I just think it's uh, it's it's kind of ridiculous. I'm going to just drive off road, but it's kind of ridiculous how in such great shape that Michael Dorn is for a guy his age, right? I mean, yeah. I mean admittedly, he's wearing like old age makeup, right? I mean, and everything, so he's supposed to look old. But just check out his skin. Look at his yeah. face. That dude's in. He looks like he must have the most healthiest diet ever. You know, he's toting around no body fat. He just looks like he just does nothing but work out and eat, like, the healthiest vegetables on the planet. I mean, the guy is in – maybe he lives in Costa Rica. I don't know. But he's just phenomenal. I'm like, Worf, you have aged well, sir. I mean, Michael Doran's got it going on. That's, that's, uh-huh. that's uh, you know, he, he just comes across so well. I'm like, okay, I, I'm ready. Give him a series. Do whatever. More dialogue. But he's, <laughs> he's rocking it, man. He is – I'm jumping away ahead. Sorry. But I just uh, – he was just tremendous this last week. Tremendous. Really good. It, you know what it was, Paul? It was the casual Klingon. He's doing his like kind of Klingon Tai Chi, just kind of getting all standing in front of the lights, doing his thing, right? I'm like, he's, uh, yeah, it was, and he's it been was working casual. on himself, Jim. He's been working on himself. <laughs> Chamomile tea. You take sugar. Yeah, I, I, I really li- I'm liking New Wharf, Old Wharf, uh, a lot. He's uh, he's he's wacky, so very cool. Yeah, we're, we're gonna we're going to talk a lot about New Wharf versus Old Wharf in a little bit. So you guys want to hang in there, and you don't want to miss our Wharf quote: "Words of Wharf, wisdom from Wharf." We don't want to miss that. Absolutely not. So every week, guys, we do a fan shout out. And our fan shout-outs are us saying thank you to you, the fans, for supporting Trek Talking. And how you become a fan on a fan shout-out, we go to our Facebook page. You tell us where you're from, and you look for a heart next to your name from yours truly, Uncle Jim. And Eric, Eric, what's the easiest way for our fans to get to our Facebook page? Well, you can go to Facebook.com and search for us, Truck Talking and Beyond, or you can go to <laughs> truckcom and click the button that has the big F, you know, the face F, you know the one, you know the F I mean. Just click that puppy and oh. then you're right where you need to go. Dude, family program. Watch the language, okay? I mean, just, you know. Wow. Just click the F, Paul. <sighs> Stop yeah. giving me too much business. God, I get, I get accused of Paulisms, but Ericisms are way more, you know, salacious. I just, uh, just click the F, you know, he rolls down the window and yells at somebody on the street. Yeah, you just click just the click, F. What just you? click the F, F and button is what you click and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Jim, aren't you glad you ask us questions? Isn't it always know, fair, I, wonderful fruit right. whenever you ask one of us a random question? This is why live radio is the best, honestly. That's right. Oh, yeah. It is the best. And uh, actually, before we get started, we do have a caller on the line. Awesome. Did you guys feel like talking to an actual fan, a real fan? Uh, just so. a real one, not a fake one. Yeah, 
Not a, not a <laughs> fake one. All right. Well, let me see if I, I can get this. Get this thing to connect here. Okay, I'm, Jim's Jim's pushing buttons. He's trying things. He's uh, he's got a, a large crank in one hand that he's turning. You know, I think that's going on. I, I know he could do it. Metal sphere raising to the clouds. I'm, I'm trying. I hope it's Frank from Jersey City, man. Frank was awesome the other day. Um, I don't know if you remember that dude. I hope he calls in again. He was great. Thank you for calling Trek Talking. What's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Kabla, my brothers. There's Ray. Hey! Long time no here, buddy. Hey, Ray. Guys, I've been sorry. I just went to a lot for the past couple of weeks, man. You know what I'm saying? I had to deal with my family issues and everything else, but I'm all right, though. And speaking about that, um, next week, next August, I'm going to be 50 in, in, in next Friday, Black Irish. That's right. Um, I'm going to be 50. <laughs> I'm going to be 50, my brother. Um, a half century. Wow. Ah, yes, I know. I'm going to be 50, man, and I turn around. Here got my mom talking about, talking about Reagan. Oh, I said, thank you, Mom. I know I'm getting old, but I, I, I mean, I'm not getting old, but no, until the end of the day, I'm still vintage. Like, you know, I'm still vintage. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. And, You're not uh, old. Vintage, baby. Are you, are you planning on going to the big St. Patrick's Day parade they have down there? Listen, guys. I got like, like, like I said. I go. Like I said, I, no, I gotta work, but I know what I do. I go. I go after work because 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 you know, because by the time I get towards um uh uh East Seventy Ninth Street and th- between Second and Third Avenue, it's packed like a mother effer. You know why? Cause all the pubs is gonna be nothing but Irish. Yo, I'm telling you right now. Every year I go to parade. Every year, right? And yo, they get so twisted already. It's even it's even like six o'clock in the morning. They're twisted already all day long. Like I said, I, I've been there a few times, and they, and they know so it's so it's so it's so bugged out. It's so bugged out how it is. It is. Wow. So what I'm gonna do is I'm, I'm getting on work on Friday because no no because 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 that's that's my weekend. So I'm getting on I'm getting on work Friday about like one o'clock in the Bronx, and I'm heading I'm, 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 I'm heading down there. Well, you have fun. You have fun, Ray. Okay. Well, I mean, one more question. Um, uh, the guy talking about Michael Dorn, right? You know, he, 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 beyond two, he aged well, you know what? Because you don't say we've been well, you know why? And I'm not trying to be racist. But you know what I'm saying? With black people who eat like eat have like that will age gracefully. Now, you see how you see how my is, right? He shaves hair, hair everything else, right? He still look good for age. I mean, I, I don't know how old I don't know how old he is now, but he still look good for age. I can't I, I can't front on that. Well, he my brother, there there are certain advantages to having more uh, melanin in your skin. The sun did not ravage Michael Doran's skin at all. He looks amazing, and I think you're right. I think it's got a little bit to do with it. Right? It just yeah, he, uh, yeah, doesn't age yeah, quite as yeah. quickly. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, for example, like me, right? Okay, I'll be fifty right here. I'll be fifty. I'll be fifty next Friday, right? But see, I got seen got a picture of myself, and I swear to God, you go look at my picture. Dude, like, you don't know fifty. He, he like about twenty four. I'm just kidding. Still getting I, I'm carded, just, right? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Everybody, everybody, come to my. I mean, watch the forty nine. Watch my. Wait, I can, I can look like you like your face. Can I age gracefully? Shoot, you should see my mom's. My mom's were going with. Early seventies, and she 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 still look like um ninety years old. Um, I mean from high school. I'm just serious. That's awesome. 
That's awesome. Wow. It's a gift. It's a gift. <laughs> hey, I'm not knocking it. I'm not knocking nope. that gift. Nope. I'm keeping that gift. I'm not knocking that gift. Uh-uh, no way. Nope. <laughs> Ray. So, Ray. So guys, Think about this. Know, Wait. I'm going yeah. Ray. Uh, no, uh, yeah. Ray. Yes. Uh, you don't, uh, your 50th birthday, you don't celebrate your birthday. 50th? That's your birth month. Go ahead and get That's ready right. to celebrate it for the entire month. That's right. That's Did a I'm month not? long. You got not? Yes. Shoot, <laughs> for your birthday. That's what I did. Mm-hmm. Shoot, I'm, you know what? You know what? Be honest with you, because I said I didn't really have no plans as he was going on. Though I mean, the, 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 I said the footage I'm going, I'm going downtown, but after that, I don't know. But you know what? I know it's, I'm gonna take your advice on that. Absolutely. Make the best of it. Yep. No problem. So guys, enjoy the next. Yeah, yeah, enjoy the next. I got, I got, I got to do, 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 do some running around. So guys, on, on the 16th of next, um, next week. Before that, I call, I call you guys back. But and and he got one question. You mean to tell me, um, because I'm also right now. You mean to tell me that the, the, this this record tonight episode will be the last episode of the uh, 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 of the series? No, Which one? there's uh, no, 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 no. Oh, there's many more. No. Don't scare me like that. No, now. there's many more. No, no. no. <laughs> Don't scare no. me like that. Don't scare me like that. No, absolutely. Shoot. Shoot. What is it? I ten? Mean, is it ten right episodes? Now, is that what the season is? Ten episodes. Yeah, it's ten yep. episodes. Yep. All right. March twenty-sixth right, is the last guys, one. Like I said, John, guys, enjoy the night. I call you guys on the sixteenth of March. April twenty. That day, and we see what's up. And you have a happy birthday, Ray. Yeah. Happy oh, birthday, well, man. Take care. Thanks, brothers. Thanks, brothers. Yeah, yeah. I call you guys next Thursday. Enjoy the night. And, Say hello to your wife for us, too. I will. All right. Thanks for calling, Ray. Have a good night. You too, brothers. That was Ray from the Bronx, and he's going to be turning 50, so we send out a very happy, happy birthday to Ray. And uh, if you would like to be featured on a Trek Talking Fan, shout out, head over to Facebook and tell us where you're listening from. And every week... We say thank you to some special fans like Eric is about to do now. Yeah, the very first fan shout-out I'd like to give out today is uh, right to the center of Germany, Hamburg, Germany, and saying hello and live long and prosper to Marco Damaniak. Marco, thank you so much for supporting us in Germany. We really, really appreciate it. I cannot wait to make it to Hamburg. It's on the list for sure. So uh, thank you so much for supporting us. Also saying hello this week and sending out lots of love to top fan Jens Ole Carlsen in Denmark. Scandinavian support, that's right. And top fan means that Jens is actually interacting with us quite a bit on our Facebook page. So thank you so much, Jens, for saying hello to us. Hello and live long and prosper to you. We're also saying hello this week to top fan Wayne McComer from Lac de Plac in Quebec, Canada. Oh, man, Quebec has got some beautiful, beautiful areas. I have been to Lac de Plac, uh, but it sounds pretty cool. So, Wayne, thank you for supporting us just across that northern border. And my final fan shout-out this week out to a country with 
long, awesome soccer tradition, Brazil, a little Brazilian flag and a little heart and a little live long and prosper is being sent to us by Paulo Ratino. Paulo Ratino, thank you so much for listening to us in Brazil. Also would love to see your country someday too. Charles, I know you want to go somewhere else on this globe, don't you? Oh, yes. I'll spend some time in the States. <clears throat> Let's start off with top fan James O'Brien. Phoenix, Arizona, where it snowed yesterday. Yeah, we heard about that, James. We've been snow up here in Vegas, too. Claude Reed from St. Louis, Missouri. Top fan, Michael J. Laney from Atlanta, Georgia. Hey, Michael, how's it going? Top fan, John Kern from the state of Arkansas. Man, Kern, sounds like a Klingon. Any Klingons on your list, David? Uh, let's see here. <clears throat> uh, so I got Eric Christensen from Central California. Um, hello to Alma Edward from Winston-Salem in North Carolina. <clears throat> Excuse me for my voice. Uh, next one is David Slatten from Boston. Last on my list is a top fan going saying hello to Carl Steven from Texas, United States. Paul, who's on your list? All right, brother. Well, I got all kinds of good folks on here. Um, kind of uh, leaving the continental United States for some of our shout-outs here. First of all, and uh, a plethora of top fans, I might add. Uh, hello to top fan Uli Guptan, who is in Nuremberg, Germany. Uh, of course, conventional English, we hear that uh, referred to as Nuremberg, but uh, tomato, tomato, if you will, right? Second largest city in Germany in the state of Bavaria. Um, so I believe that's where you would find Munich, if I'm not mistaken. But, good, uh, good ham down there. Ullis, <laughs> what is that, choppy man? What did you say? I said good black forest ham down there from what I hear. Oh, man. Can you imagine? Oktoberfest? Mm-hmm. Oh. oh, yeah, you'd have, to, you'd have to drag me out. Like Black Forest Pig. Yeah, I have kind of a, a sausage problem uh, in a good way. Right? So I would <laughs> do really well. Too, I would me do too. really well hanging out with Uli in uh, Nuremberg. I, I would have a great time. Not that far away, Top Fan John Snor is in Ireland as well. He doesn't say exactly where in Ireland, but um, amazing spot on the globe. And then just down the road from John, we have top fan Mark Watson in Chesterfield, England. So we have all kinds of folks uh, next to each other, just a driving distance, if you will, in Europe. But if you feel like going a little more far afield to spectacular Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, who I think uh, are still dusting off the glitter and the remnants of uh, the craziest carnival in many a year from what I've seen. Wow, did I see some carnival pictures from Rio de Janeiro recently? Whoa, I don't even uh, yeah, as, uh, I don't even know if anyone's woke up yet. It's crazy down there. But we have fan Alessandri Tavares, uh, who uh, is in Rio, and uh, I bet you had a great time down there. It just sounds like the entire country had a had a, a pretty magical time, uh, even commemorated with a, a magical lightning strike, from what I heard. So uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, look it up. You've all got the Internet. So to all of you fans across the globe, thank you for listening to Trek Talking and for enthusiastically loving Star Trek because we are a global 
community. Isn't that right, Big Jim? Absolutely, and we're going to bring it back to the continental U.S. of A. And we want to say kapla and thank you to Charles Leap, who's listening in Worcester, Massachusetts. We also want to say thank you to Mike Swabby, who's listening to us in New York. I don't know if that's New York, New York, or New York State. Either way, thank you for listening to Mike. We also want to say kapla to Matt Chivik who's listening to us in St. Louis, Missouri. And finally on my list, top fan Jose Garcia, who's listening to us from the south side of Chicago. And that, my friends, wraps up our fan shout-outs. If you'd like to be featured in a fan shout-out, head over to our Facebook page and just drop us a little line of where you're listening from and look for a heart next to your name from yours truly, Uncle Jim. And now... It's time for Star Trek birthdays. That was not a Klingon song. And this is a fun part of the podcast because Star Trek is 50 plus years old, so we have a lot of episodes and a lot of actors that we can remember, and we take a look back at some of their episodes, and maybe it's one you've never seen or one that you haven't seen in a long time. So we always start off our Star Trek birthdays remembering those members of our Star Trek family who, sadly enough, are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. Yeah, Jim, this week uh, we have seven members of our Star Trek community going to be remembering. The very first is actress Anne Haney, who we got to see twice in Star Trek. She first portrayed Rashawn Uxbridge in the TNG third season episode, The Survivors, and then later played Elzra Nora in the Deep Space Nine first season episode, Dax. Um, so she played a human and a Bajoran, which I think is kind of cool that she got a little bit of diversity. Uh, in her performances. Uh, you know, Anne Haney had a lot of prominent acting roles, both on the screen, but also on the stage. Um, and one interesting thing about her is that most of her achievements came in her mid-40s after she had actually raised a daughter and buried her first husband, which is pretty amazing. Uh, it's even more amazing given the fact that she only lived till the age of 67. So in a very small amount of time, she actually made a pretty big impact along the way. Um, it was said that it wasn't until after she had packed her off to college and quote, the maid quit that she uh, decided to try her hand, in, at her hand at acting. Um, so she became very popular in the 80s. She was on Mama's Family for like three or four years, uh, did a lot guest starring roles, L.A. Law. She was on Quantum Leap with Mr. Gila himself. Um, and then had a couple of film credits to her role, too, including The American President, Liar, Liar, and a couple other. Uh, my favorite was a TV movie called Roses Are for the Rich, because that not only featured Anne Haney, but also featured Kate Mulgrew and Cardo. So. Lots of Star Trek crossover. Anne Haney, she would have had a birthday just five days ago on March 1st, 4th. Happy birthday, Anne. 
Also, happy birthday to John Hancock, who played Admiral Hayden in the TNG third and, third and fourth season episodes, The Defector and The Wounded. Um, now, you know, uh, Jim's typical question is, is this a good admiral or a bad admiral? <laughs> Hard to say. We only see him on the, on the screen. Uh, he doesn't really tell anybody anything good or bad. He just kind of talks to Picard a bunch. So I, I'm not the, – the, the jury's out on Hayden. Not sure a good guy or a bad guy. But John Hancock uh, was a pretty cool guy. He was a great actor who started his career in the late 1960s. I don't know if you know or not, or if you remember, but he was actually in Airplane 2, the sequel, uh, which of course had a little bit part there by William Shatner as well. He was also in movie 10 with Denise Crosby, which I forgot that she was in that movie. He played someone named Scotty in the miniseries Roots, The Next Generation. I saw the original Roots, but I never saw Roots The Next Generation, so I feel like that's something that I should go and check out again. John Hancock had several other television roles. He was known as Richard Armand on L.A. Law for five years, Commissioner Hank Bishop in the comedy series Pacific Station, and Ike Johnson in the comedy series Love and War. So John Hancock would have had a birthday actually the same day as Ann Haney. Happy birthday, John. Lost back in 19. 19- Happy birthday as well to Brad Weston, who played Ed Appel in the TOS first season episode, The Devil in the Dark, one of my absolute favorites of all time. Brad Weston was in that episode. The greatest. It's just so good. Oh, my God. I love that episode so much. Anytime people are like, silly monsters ruin things, I'm like, dude, you have to watch this episode because it is amazing. Yeah, man. uh, (laughs) I got to confide a little little trauma there. I think that was the first episode of Star Trek I ever saw as, as, a, as a really small child. And it just oh, scared the pajamas off me. Oh, I and bet. Just like, oh my, not, not happy. The power of the point of view shot. <laughs> oh oh, absolutely. Yeah, and it brings you right into it, right? And the, the whole point of that episode is to make you feel sympathy for this thing that you have zero connection to. So anyway, Brad Weston, great job in that episode. Um, he was really well known for a ton, a ton, a ton of Westerns. He was also a World War II vet, which I think is pretty cool, and went to the Advertising Commercial Art School in, guess where? Portland, Oregon. That's right. He's a local boy. Mm. So that is kind of cool. Uh, about just, Eric, yeah. let yeah. me jump in. Devil in the Dark just celebrated its anniversary. It just posted its uh, airing date a couple days ago. Really? So here yep. you go. So his so his birthday is sort of in alignment with when the episode aired. That's kind of interesting. Yes, it is. Cool. Um, well, Brad Weston, you want to name a Western? He was, I mean, TV-wise, we're talking Rifleman, Gunsmoke, you know, The Virginian, all of those. We're talking pretty much any Western movie that was made between 1963 and 1978. He probably had some sort of part in back back in there. Um, he went out of the business for a dozen years and then came back in and made his final on-screen appearance in 1991 movie, The Doors. Uh, so... Very interesting character, Brad Weston, uh, in a great episode of Star Trek. Happy birthday, Brad. Happy birthday as well to David Spielberg, who played Commander Calvin Hutchinson in the TNG six-season episode Starship Mine. No relation to so the funny. director. 
Uh, it is so a funny episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, no relation to the director, in case you were wondering. Um, he also uh, crossed over into one of I forget what Jim calls it. Not not Trek or the other Trek. Trek Ocean. He was he was on Sequest DSV uh, as uh, in the episode and everything nice. Um, so that's kind of cool. He made the over in Sequest. Uh, he was in the Navy for a couple of years, but stepped out to pursue acting. And uh, in 1972, he broke into film in a movie called The Trial of the Cattenville Nine, uh, also starring David Roberts. Uh, later would do lots of television here and there, and then did a couple of other movies, crossing over with other Star Trek people like uh, LeVar Burton in uh, the movie The Hunter, and a couple of other things along the way. So David Spielberg. Boy, he, you know, he, he also had a really infamous role, uh, you know, way pre-Star Trek that I think yeah. was rough sledding for a while for him. Do you know about that whole thing? Which one? No, tell us. Well, did you ever remember a show called Family Ties from like the yeah, early sure. 80s? Yeah, with, right. uh, well, there was with, uh, what's his infamous. Yeah. And uh, it was the Family Ties was the one with uh, Michael J. Fox. Oh, Michael J. Fox. Sorry. Yeah. Right, right, right. So, uh, and, you know, there's the sister, right, who's like 15, Mallory, right, on there, right? And and he played the uncle who comes to visit and makes an appropriate move on Mallory, right? And, or an inappropriate move. I mean, a really creepy, creepy, like, oh, I guess it almost, like, killed his career just because he got so oh, much grief for that. I mean, it's the kind of thing where, you know, an audience can't separate the, the person from the character, and it was just like... Oh, oh, poor brutal. guy! I mean, wow. It was a really controversial episode, right? It, it kind of made TV history because it was, you know, uh, uh, you know, didn't really did not, and they bravely tried to tackle it, right? Because no one had really done stuff like that before, right? And it was Justine Bas- Bateman getting, you know, all skeeved out by this oh, uncle so. character, right? It was just like, oh, so it was really great to see him just do a a wonderfully comedic role in Star Trek, right? He is hilarious in that. It's just the way everyone interacts with him, right? It's just like, okay, he's going to tell a long story. I've got to go. <laughs> it's great. Mm-hmm. Well, a great role in Star Trek. And thanks for that, Paul. I, you know, I, I, now that you're mentioning that, I feel like it's nibbling at the back of my brain somewhere. And I do remember that, but the, the fact that, I, I mean, I'm a believer that a lot of great artists do things that really make us think and, and sometimes make us uncomfortable. And so, you know, it was Oh, yeah. It was very brave. Yeah. I think it's really yeah, totally. fortunate that there was no internet back then, right? Because it's yeah. just like, had there been... Oh, gosh. You're right. Oh, I hate to even think oh. about it. But yeah, really, really cool actor, I think. He's done a ton of stuff. Well, thank you, David Spielberg. Go check out his IMDb page. There's lots of stuff on there. We lost him back in 2016, uh, fairly young at, at age 77. So happy David. Happy birthday as well to Mickey Morton appearing in the TOS uh, episode, The Gamesters of Triskelion, as Drill Thrall Klug. That's right, one of those crazy thralls. <laughs> silly people, silly, silly people. Second season episode. Um, Mickey Morton was also in a lot of those other kind of classic shows from that time period, including Smoke, I Dream of Genie. Fantasy Island, of course, with Ricardo Montalban, Alice, uh, and as Mr. Sullivan in two episodes of Growing Pains. Hmm, interesting. Another one of those shows that I, I think that's the one 
Or Cameron Ring. That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> um, in 1978, he also infamously appeared in the Star Wars Holiday Special as the Wookiee named Mala, alongside Ralph Marr. So Mickey Morton, he's that other Wookiee. Well, he also co-starred with fellow TOS guests Frank Gorsh and William Schallert in the 1979 TV special Legends of the Superheroes. And LeVar Burton and Kurtwood Smith in the 85 movie Midnight Hour. So Mickey Morton got around just a little bit. Happy birthday, Mickey. Happy birthday as well to Patty Edwards, the actress who played the role of Anya in TNG's second season episode, The Dauphin. Uh, Patty began her career back in the early 60s and acted all the way through to her death in 1999. She was well-known for her acting in particular, uh, acting in a number of Disney animated movies, including The Little Mermaid and Hercules. And she, uh, if you are into Ghostbusters, this is something you should know. 1984's Ghostbusters, the voice of Gozer was Patty Edwards. That's right. So she goes back to that. Not only that, but she appeared later in movies like Corvette Summer, Halloween 3, uh, to Be or Not to Be, Blue City, uh, and a couple of other ones, and had guest appearances on the comedy series Night Court on the television side of things. So Patty Edwards uh, lost too early at the age of 68 back in 1999, would have had a birthday just yesterday on March 8th. Happy birthday, Patty Edwards. And guys, our final remembrance this week goes out to one of the biggins, probably the best engineer in Starfleet, the one will promise you something and then give it to you in at least a quarter of that time just to make himself look good. James Doohan, who portrayed Montgomery Scotty Scott on all of the Star Trek's TOS, uh, the movies, the first seven movies. Uh, He also got that great role in the TNT episode Relics, uh, where he was in the pattern buffer forever, which is also... uh, Given us a little bit more mileage on some of the other shows, which I think is so cool. Um, James Doohan has got a big story, man. You should read uh, some of his biography stuff because there's really a lot of it out there. But I just want to highlight a couple of things that I think are important. Um, You know, he played Scotty for 29 years. Uh, His picture, even after he was gone, appeared in Star Trek Beyond. You'll remember that it was among Spock's possessions that he bequeathed his alternate reality counterpart there. Um, Jimmy was, of course, uh, Canadian. He was born in Vancouver, B.C., um, Had uh, was the youngest of four kids uh, of Irish immigrants, and served in World War II. He much is known about his exploits in World War II, um, where he was quickly after joining up promoted to command post officer, uh, was among the Canadian forces to take Juno Beach in Normandy as part of the D-Day invasion. He commanded 120 men himself. Uh, and that night, he was hit by machine gun fire uh, when returning to his command post, sustaining wounds in his legs, his right hand, and chest. A cigarette case, in fact, caught a bullet that would have otherwise killed him. And that is where he lost his middle finger of his right hand, which is why you don't often see his right hand on screen, uh, except in the in the real the end of the DVD. Uh, after that, the war, uh, he started to work in radio, but then quickly went into movies and TVs and plays and got a lot of guest roles on things like Twilight Zone and Outer Limits and 
Gunsmoke and things like that. And he was just really, really good at accents among his other talent. And so when he was pulled into Star Trek, he actually helped develop the the accent that would go with the engineer of the Enterprise. They tried out German, they tried out Italian, and they sort of settled on this uh, colloquial Scottish accent. And so, you know... People are kind of weirded out. When are you James telling Smith. me, and my friend Eric, that there is yeah. an alternate universe? Because I do think yeah. there could be multiverses. Are you telling yeah. me there's an alternate universe where the engineer of the Enterprise is Italian? Is and one where there's German? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I got. Sure. I'm visiting there. That sounds hilarious. <laughs> you got to go there. Um, and despite the fact that he was so instrumental in, Roddenberry actually wanted to leave him out of the second. Uh, pilot of Star Trek, but it was, uh, in fact, Jimmy's uh, agent who got super upset about that and got him back into that. That's uh, Information on that is included in a book called uh, Inside Star Trek, The Real Story. For the first season of Star Trek, Dewan's contract allowed him to appear in five episodes out of 13 at a pop of $850 per episode. In the second season, his salary remained the same, but he was given seven out of 13 while everyone knew that he would actually appear in more. So he did actually appear in more, even though he only got paid for seven episodes. Um, Scotty was always Scotty, but in the animated series, he was other people too. He was Lieutenant Eric. He was one of the first people to help develop the Klingon language, Klingonese. Uh, He also helped develop some of the words and sounds for the Vulcan. But contrary to popular myth, Dewan was not the uncredited voice of Trelane's father in the Squire of Gothos, which many people believe he was. So there's just a little bit of trivia, guys. There's so much to say about Scotty. I want to give you guys a chance. But, uh, I thought those were some pretty cool facts about him. Anybody want to say anything about James Dewan? He, he's a legend. I mean, what, what what more can you say? I mean, you you pretty much covered it all. There we go. All right. Well, uh, I that think is... he's one of those actors, though, who just, you know, he was really great at just by the way he would deliver a line of dialogue, right? When, you know, uh, something was go- always something's going wrong, right? And, and he would be the guy you'd go to if you had to have that suspenseful, oh, shit beat right before you go to commercial. Right? <laughs> There's nothing we can do. We're gonna all die. Da-na-na-na-na. And then they go to commercial, right? And be like, he would just the way he would deliver a line of dialogue would amp up the suspense just, you know, exponentially. He was just really great. I mean, I think he saved the millions in special effects dollars just by being able to freak people out by being just so he believed whatever he would say. It never seemed like he was phoning something in. He was totally convincing, dude. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, and he uh, was well, the senior statesman of the ship as well. Yeah, I mean he was he yeah. was the, the the mature one of the bunch. I want to say, like he had the most experience of of the, all of them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, you know. And and, and wait, all right. So Scotty was Scottish. So in this alternate universe where he's Italian, is his name Italy and he's Italian, or was it just well, Scotty? It? Well, it would be interesting to know if his name is uh, is not Scotty. It'd be like Santino. Santino. Montgomery. Hey, I cannot like do it. A... You, know, you need more days, Captain. This is not going to happen. Uh, yeah. See, I can see it. I can see that. Exactly. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, that does it for our remembrances this week, guys. Uh, so many good memories of so many actors and actresses this week. Uh, Charles, I know you want to kick it off with those who are still with us. Definitely. Thank you. Let's start off with Heidi Swedberg, <clears throat> who played Rick yeah, Rick Henlon in Star Trek DS9 second season episodes Profit and Loss. A couple of her other roles included Seinfeld and many Star Trek uh, many of people's belief in the one of their favorite Star Trek episodes, Star Trek movies, Galaxy Quest. In fact, it's interesting that uh, Star Trek Las Vegas was trying to decide what movie they wanted to air, and they vote, put the vote to fans. Number one came Voyage, uh, Voyage to Earth, but uh, Galaxy Quest came in, I think. Uh, Dean Stockwell portrayed Drat in Star Trek Enterprise's first season episode, Detained. Also appeared in Battlestar Galactica and one of the movies, Quantum Leap, and had a long career, acted from 1945 to 2015. Lance Spellerberg appears as a transporter chief Ensign Herbert in Star Trek Inter- Star Trek Next Generation episodes will always have Paris and the Icarus Factor. Amy Pipes played Lieutenant Sandra Rose in Star Trek Next Generation seventh season episodes Bloodline. Allison Becker voiced Victoria News in Star Trek Lower Deck third season Trusted Sources. And then... One of my, I think, interesting characters that I think got later, got a little more backstory to him, was a big happy birthday to Jonathan Del Arca, who played Hugh in Star Trek's Next Generation 5th and 7th season episodes, Iborg and Descendant Part 2. He applies his role in Star Trek Picard's first season episode, The End of the Beginning, The Impossible Box, and The Penthay. Also appeared in Voyager's Fandom of the Void. He was also a series regular in The Closer and a TV series called Major Major Crimes. If anybody wants to mention about Jonathan, if not, I'll pass it to Paul. All right, Charles. Thanks, man. All right, I got some really cool cats uh, having birthdays on my list this week. Uh, let's kick things off with actor Ron Fassler, who played Morin in the Star Trek Voyager six-season episode Dragon's Teeth, episode title. Actor Stephen Weber, who you may remember from a uh, '90s TV show called Wings, and then uh, a lot of—I don't know if you remember the late '90s uh, TV version of The Shining. Not the Kubrick version, mind you, but the TV version, right? Uh, he played Torrance uh, in that version of uh, The Shining as well uh, with uh, Rebecca de Mornay as uh, the beleaguered spouse. But we're here to talk about Star Trek, right? So we're acknowledging Stephen Weber for playing Colonel Day in the Deep Space Nine second season episode, The Siege. Yeah. Now this next one, 
I do love original series episodes. Like there's just no tomorrow. And I did not know this about this actor. Uh, I'm like, wait a minute. Is that the same Fred Williamson? Uh, Can't be because I see Fred Williamson, right? And he played a character named Anka in the Star Trek original series, third season episode, which is one of the classics of the third season, in my view, the cloud minders, right? Uh If you ever want to like, you know, uh, it's just a great depiction of like aristocracy versus workers, right? It, it's really great. I mean, it definitely opened a lot of young eyes when it first came out there. It, it does a really good job, but he was one of like the, I think the, the ones who worked in the caves, right? Uh, you know, mining the, the, the minerals, right? But wait a second. I didn't know that he was one of those guys. He's just like, you know, like an extra, but that's Fred Williamson, man. And Fred Williamson went on to become, you know, after his appearance on Star Trek, uh, I, I'm sorry. Yeah, iconic actor. Okay, he made a real particular uh, role in the Altman movie Mash, right? And then he was a leading presence in the quote-unquote black exploitation. Uh, movement mm-hmm. of movies in the 70s, right? B.J. Hammer, Black Caesar, Hell Up in Harlem, Crazy Joe, Tough Guys, Through the Hard Way, I mean, Buckstown. I mean, there's a whole slew of movies from that period, right? I mean, the original Inglorious Bastards from like 1978, right? Uh, you, all over the place, this guy. I mean, really, really uh, a ton of great work and an action movie icon i mean he would show up and stuff all through the 80s where people were like rediscovering him and casting him and you know sometimes he's you know you know kind of exploitation type movies right but uh but he would always show up he was in uh dust till dawn with quentin tarantino original gangsters i mean just a ton of great stuff um really uh remarkable dude um i think he still works too every now and then we'll show up in something really cool so uh again an icon of of movies in my book so uh i gotta go back and watch Cloudminders for the seven millionth time just to spot fred williamson and see him in that new context so my friend fred williamson happy birthday to you your Layers run deep, man. I just had no idea. That's a really cool discovery for me today. Happy birthday goes out also to Tony Award winning American stage film and television actress Donna Murphy. And we're acknowledging uh, Donna Murphy for her uh, portrayal of the character Anish in uh, Star Trek Insurrection from 1998. And lastly for me, it's Barbara Eve Harris. Happy birthday, Barbara Eve Harris, because you portrayed Captain Emily Bosch in the Star Trek Picard first season episode, The Impossible Box. We here at Truck Talking love seeing women in the captain's chair, okay, because you rest easier when there's not a dude in charge of things is what my experience has told me. So I'm all about tear down the patriarchy. Let the women be in charge, right? And uh, there you go. Captain Emily Bosch, part of that great tradition. Sometimes we chat about, you know, uh, evil admirals. I find it's even cooler to talk about awesome female captains, of which there seem to be many. Now, as we segue to our next presentation, I really hope Jim is ready to do justice to his list because, dude, 
you saved all the damn good ones for yourself here this week. I mean, you really, truly did. I know you like the whole on of the Klingons, but, but get a load of Jim's list here. He's really, uh, I hope you're ready to do justice to these people, brother. Well, I'll give it my all. So uh, the first one I want to say is James B. Seeking, who played Captain Lawrence H. Stiles in Star Trek III, The Search for Spock. This is the dude that was so busy filing his fingernails that he didn't even realize Kirk was stealing the Enterprise. And uh, he walked around. Uh, he had that little writing crop, if you guys recall. And uh, he, I, I don't know how he... You know, this guy is kind of like the, the captain of the Enterprise B who didn't have anything until Tuesday. You know, you got to wonder how to become captain, but uh, he did. He was captain of the USS Excelsior in Star Trek III, um, The Search for Spock. We also want to say happy birthday to Samantha Edgar, who played Marie Picard in Star Trek The Next Generation fourth season episode, Family. Unfortunately... She died in the vineyard fire along with Robert and Renee. Uh, the end of the Picard family, so we thought. So happy birthday to Samantha Edgar. We also want to say happy birthday to Joanna Miles, who played Perrin in the Star Trek The Next Generation third season episode, Sarek, and the fifth season episode, Unification. You know, Sarek definitely had a fetish for human females, didn't he? Ah. He did, but, you know, when a man knows what he likes, I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah, oh, my. <laughs> I mean, I like to here's – here's been my take on it, that I have always thought that the reason that Sarek preferred female, human females was that he had his own kind of emotional – internal emotional strife like all Vulcans do, and he his wives actually allowed him to – sort of lived that curiously through them while he maintained his facade of diplomacy and, and just Vulcanness the whole time. So I got a whole, I think books could be written about the psychology. Whoa, dude. Therapy. So like naughty, naughty role play test of control. Is that what you're saying? I'm just saying that like, if, if you're gonna, if you're gonna, it, it is a way to kind of live out your emotional fantasies in broad daylight without anybody knowing the wiser, being the wiser. So, well, uh, I think the fan fiction era. novel is, is in the works here. I really do. There we go. There we go. Damn. Well, I, I did go back. I just finished watching, re-watching Discovery Season 2. And I did notice that young Sarek that we, that we meet in Discovery is a little bit more, I don't want to say emotional because he is a Vulcan, but he does show a little bit more uh, concern. They're a little close to the surface, you know. They're his emotions are a little close to the surface for a full Vulcan. Yeah, yeah. The actors can't control themselves. They 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 have to express, right? And there's a lot of that on Discovery. Everyone's kind of emoting heavily. He he, maybe Eric is onto something here. I don't know. Interesting, interesting, interesting. But happy birthday to Joanna Miles, who played Perrin. Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, speaking of Vulcans, dun, 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 dun. Uh, we want to say happy birthday to Jolene Blaylock, who's best Woo! known as Star Trek for her role as Vulcan science officer to Paul on Star Trek Enterprise. But wait, 
There's more. She also played to Paul's second foremother, great-grandmother, Tamir, in the Enterprise episode Carbon Creek, which I think is one of the best episodes of Enterprise. If you haven't watched Enterprise, if you've skipped Enterprise for whatever reason, maybe you didn't like the theme song. I don't know. But if you skipped Enterprise, I highly, highly, highly recommend that you go back and watch Carbon Creek. It is a great, great episode. Very, very good. And Paul plays both herself and her great-grandmother. And there's a really great, I, you know, I don't know if, if Jolene is just great at the deadpan comedy or what, but <laughs> at, at the end of the episode, she drops the line. And it's like, wait a minute, what did she just say? And leaves you wondering. And she she plays it so perfectly that you got to wonder, is is that her being a Vulcan or is that her telling a joke? And I won't tell you what she says. You'll have to go watch the episode for yourself. But well, and Jim, I'll just say... And I'll just say that the way that they wrote to Paul in that series, like Jolene Blaylock has to act all of the emotions that a Vulcan can possibly feel. Like there are some episodes where she gets infected, right, with the with the thing that makes the Vulcan zombie things that like kind of freaks you out emotionally. And she yeah, the trilogy, and she just does such a great job at at trying to maintain composure while completely freaking out and displaying what that would be like for a Vulcan on the scene. I don't know. I just think her portrayal of T'Pol is amazing. Yeah. I, I always, I always liked her. I, I always liked T'Pol. Yeah. I mean, she I got, just, she got a know. little bit of, to me, like they used her, the fact that she had a attractive figure and that sort of stuff a little bit too much on the show. I mean, they were, using those parts of her as well, which is in some way too bad because the editing and everything was also so good that that deserved to be the, the kind of front and center thing. I'm not saying it wasn't always, but I'm just saying they, they definitely mixed in the other stuff and probably didn't need to. No, they, they definitely exploited her for sure. There's yeah. no doubt that they, that they did that. But that aside, I still liked the character. I really liked her interaction uh, with Archer. I thought, you know, Maybe something could have happened there had the show not gone off when it did. But, um, but yeah, happy birthday to Jolene Blaylock. And go and watch Carbon Creek. And just remember, I Love Lucy is on at five. You want to check Carbon Creek. And I always save the Klingons for last. And, uh, you know, I've got a good one here because Worf is the bane of this guy's family. And, uh, he, he showed it for sure. We want to say happy birthday and kapla going out to Patrick Massette, who portrayed Duras in Star Trek The Next Generation, third and fourth season episodes, Sins of the Father and Reunion. And I got to say, he deserved what he got in Reunion. <laughs> yeah, he did. You know what, <laughs> what you guys think? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, Duras was... What what word, Jim? Duras was a dink, right? <laughs> he would say, you yeah. piece of baktog. <laughs> yeah. 
But I mean, he's such a great character, right? I mean, I love that he shows up more than once, right? And he's just great. I mean, he just, he does the most awful thing ever the first time we see him, right? I mean, just, it's heartbreakingly awful. And and he just becomes like in the pantheon of Star Trek villains. I think he's one of the most, you know, insidious and just you love hating the guy. It's like, would you shut up? You know, and it's like he's just he's always doing something bad. He's great. Terrific performance. It didn't stop with him because his the Duras sisters picked up the the torch and ran with it. Oh, believe me, he'll he'll show up in cadet the cadet review. Yeah, he he, uh, you know, I, I I just I love I love Duras and I love the fact that Worf brings him up again. We're going to talk about that a little bit later, but yeah. So I hope I hope that Duras uh, that Seklar got his fangs into Duras. Yeah. And he it to Sopakor. <laughs> you know, one of the greatest things ever, man, that just I think it's just sometimes it's somebody who just jumps on your work, right, and, and even amplifies it more, right? Because as awesome as the Duras performance is, I don't know that it's as awesome as the way Gowron says his name. Duras. <laughs> Duras. I mean, he's just, he says it a lot, right? And there's uh, Robert O'Reilly, right? And he just, he says it all the time. And it's just, he just gave it a whole life, the way he would pronounce his name that nobody else could ever do. And it's just, that's the way you heard Duras's name in your head. And you, nothing will ever change that, right? It was just like, it's just wonderful. So those two uh, characters together, just uh, out of control. And you know, what's funny is that Worf kills Duras and Worf kills Gowron. He offs them both. So there you have it. Klingon history. All right, guys. So let's let's uh, let's move on a little bit here. It's time to talk about Star Trek Picard, season three, yeah. three, seventeen seconds. Our phone lines are open, so you can let your fingers do the walking and call Trek Talking at six four six. 668-2433. We would absolutely love to hear what you thought about last week's episode. But first, we want to hear from our Facebook fans. And to kind of set the mood, I have for you guys the episode three uh, promo that was played uh, last week on the Ready Room, just to kind of set the mood for you guys. Visual contact of the strike. Bearing 047, 3,000 meters and closing. Battle station! That's impossible. How the hell did she find us? Again. Protest. Authorization Shaw. Twelve. Eleven. 
Wrong or guilty? Command transfer authorized. Get her to sit back. Captain? We still have visual. She's right behind us. Admiral, can you roll and not fire a single photon torpedo? Halfway between us and them. Key the phasers, light it up. The concussion should... Torpedo away! Thank you, Jean-Luc. Well, I think it might be time you called me number one. You know, Will Wheaton always gets the best clips for the ready room. So that was the clip from last week's episode, 17 Seconds, and I asked a question on our Facebook page. I said to our fans, on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the best, what would you score this episode? And Eric, what did our Facebook fans have to say? Debbie Carnan said that she gave a 10, and that's for Worf. Loved the Worf parts of this episode. The best of Worf, I feel, is when he makes jokes in his own way. The thing about beheadings on Wednesday was great. Debbie loves Worf. Gave it a 10. Dennis Chevalier said a 5. The reaction of Riker all along, and especially at the end, is not how he would have handled the situation in the past. It's like they admit a no-win situation from the start, which is not usual behavior. Top fan Michelle Evans said definitely a 9.5 for me. Intense conflicting drama building up between the characters, especially between Picard and Riker, was top drawer, and the battle scenes between Titan and the Shrike were pretty cool, too. I also picked up a few hints from Worf and Rafi's exchange on how lore might be involved in the story. And if so, then Brent was right. It is complicated. Thanks, Michelle. James Young said, eight, enjoy the battle scenes, even if they don't make complete sense. How exactly did that photon torpedo trick work, and why haven't we ever seen it before, uh, Wolf 353? Thanks, James. Top fan Charles Balser said, give it a five i would have given it a lower score but at least they explained accent top fan elizabeth phelps said a nine i think this is implied in the post topic but spoilers ahead love the number one comment the nod to odo was a chef's kiss i am in shock about the dominion war but low-key worried since there are only so many episodes before the series ends and that is overarching plot worthy Worf. Being back is many, many emoji icons, all the feels. And LaForge's daughter giving a friendship pep talk to Seven was just, oh, total love, pure love. The argument with Beverly and Jean-Luc was excellent. I just Picard had the last word. The way they ended on Beverly's points made it fall flat for Jean-Luc. I think that was a miss. What, that was a missed moment to really drive home that dads have a voice too. Instead of seeing her regret and shame for robbing a friend slash lover of the biggest decision of their life, we are seeing Jean-Luc forced to accept her judgment call. It just didn't hit the same. But I think we will get there through subsequent episodes. To my other point, I love that Riker is trying to help Jean-Luc reorganize his priorities as a father. Their relationship is so backward right now. Picard is so used to being the admiral and being this 
legend of Starfleet that it's hard for him to prioritize family. That that especially one that didn't pick him and basically just told him he didn't deserve a chance to be a dad. I think I had my hands all over my mouth for most of this episode. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. That was a great review. Top fan Julie Goodwin said, Beverly Picard Wharf, the founders, triple exclamation point. Michael Dorn? Huh? Somebody named Michael Dorn gave us a comment. Uh, That's a great name, dude. Worf and Rafi alone give this one a 10. I feel like this is the Trek movie we've been waiting for, but without the plot having to be hurried along to fit into two hours. Those complaining it is too slow or that the Picard slash Crusher scene went on too long are missing the point. We are getting a real insight into characters we thought we knew and we did know, but they have grown and moved on. The fact that Picard is aggressive, that Worf is more passive, that Riker is more cautious, all speaks to the brilliance of the writers. They could have given us what we'd seen before, but better, they are giving us something new. Caroline McLean said, "End." it was perfect and a lot more information was left out, and I love the Easter egg. Aubrey Howell said, OMG, solid 10, those last few minutes of that episode. Mm. Top fan Mark Chatwin said, 10, amazing clinger two. And Rhiannon McKenzie said, brilliant, best of the season so far, 10 plus, giving us a combined fan score, guys, of 8.9. 8.9 this week. So, there you have it. Nah. That's a pretty good score. It's right up there. It's not the best. Um, but I think Charles wants to let us know about, uh, more about where we came from and where some of these ideas came from. Right, Charles? Yes, I do. Computer. This was... Definitely an interesting one to get into. Start off with the Nebula battle. Rather reminds me of Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan. Hiding in the Nebula. Then we hear Worf. And get your notebooks ready. I got episodes. I know Jim's going to be writing all these down because he wants to go back and study a lot of Worf. Worf title. I am Worf, son of Mog. Excuse me, Moog. Oh, Moog. DS9, Way of the Warrior. Sons of Moog. TNG, Sins of the Father and Birthright, Part 1. A lot of detail about Worf and his father. House of Martok. We'll go back to DS9, Soldier of, Soldiers of the Empire. <clears throat> Son of Sergei, House of Roshenko. Oh, let's look at TNG's Heart of Glory in DS9, He Who is Without Sin. The Bane of the Duras Family. You were talking about that. Let's go back and watch TNG's Redemption Parts 1 and 2. Slayer of Gowron. DS9, Tackling into the Wind. Boy, Worf's has some titles. I didn't get season episodes in this week, but I'm sure you can look up and bounce around all kinds of episodes about Worf. Worf's got a very big history, especially since he was the most successful actor in two different 
series with the same character. And then we deal with the founders. The founders are on Earth and traveling. Go back to DS9's Homefront and Paradise Lost, beginning of Season 4. Interesting little note that I read that they were actually going to put them at the end of Season 3 with a cliffhanger. And they decided they did not want a cliffhanger at the end of Season 3. So they saved that story for Season 4. And Charles, I have to say that to me, that was a lot better because those two episodes are basically a two-parter pretty much. And to not have to wait, there, there's no cliff, there's no good cliffhanger at the end of Homefront. So I think that was the right decision because you kind of it works much better yeah. as two episodes on consecutive weeks. Yes, does work much better. But I just thought interesting when reading up some of the facts about the. Uh, Founders being on Earth, that that was the original plan, and they decided to rewrite it. So I guess and we can we move get, on about the episode. We get the evil Admiral there, uh, Admiral Foxworth. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, <clears throat> I mean, that is a question about whether he is like he's. Guy, he's one of the guys who I put into my like. He was reacting out of out of fear. Yeah, yeah. Generally speaking, not one of your friendly admirals, there, Jim. No, he definitely wasn't. Great character, though. Mm-hmm. So you know, I, I got to start off. Worf. Oh my God, <laughs> we talked about Worf. We talked about him earlier. Okay, but. Jim, he... calm down. Have some caramel <laughs> tea first with some sugar, and then start. He steals. <laughs> he steals the whole thing, and this is why. I don't know who the hell you are. But... I am Worf, son of Moog. House of Martok, son of Sergei, House of Roshenko, bane to the Duras family, slayer of Galron. I have made some chamomile tea. Do you take sugar? <laughs> oh my God! So, all right. <laughs> question. So, question. I think I know the answer to this question, but why does he not say father to Alexander? Hmm. Is it because you're only talking about those who are you are descended from? But he's also talking about his achievements, right? Bane to the Duras family is not something you're from. It's an achievement, right? And if this is all about well, acknowledging, you know, what you're part of, it seems to me kind of disrespectful to leave out Alexander. <laughs> well, he did say House of Rizhenko, which is Alexander. Uh, but it's but it's also his wife's not part of that house. No. You know. And there is Alexander's mother, right? Well, She's not part of that well, at all, right? So I don't know. I thought it was a little like, eh, trying to sound really cool, but it also is the one thing where I'm like, that's kind of like, you know, for a kinder, gentler wharf who's all in touch with things, I felt it was a, a weird omission. But, you know, maybe well, that's just me. I think the question to that answer would be, didn't he dishonor his son at one point, DS9? No, he the the story is the is against the whole house of Moog, which then gets redeemed later on. But I, in the answer to Paul's question, like my take <clears throat> that you 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 don't 
you don't talk about your progeny you're taught when you're listing your own accomplishments because your progeny is after you and they still have stuff left to do. So I think I think when you're talking about who you are as a person, you're listing your 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 lineage and you know, and in this case Worf takes a little bit of liberty and like goes on and extols the virtues of the things that he's accomplished. But I don't think that a Klingon would typically just include their kids in their accomplishments. Yeah. You know what I mean? Hmm. Well, right. I was going to say, look at also who who else had who else had a list of titles in Star Trek? Loxana well, Troy. Exactly. She did not mention her daughter, but she mentioned all of her royal titles. Well, at any rate, I I love Michael Dorn's voice as Worf. He sounds so much cooler than he ever did on TNG. I think. He's got yeah. this like this deep like 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 it, whatever he told you you'd be like yeah okay that sounds good I mean he just he's got it going on on uh, in every possible way and um, then when he offers her chamomile tea do you take sugar I was just like cracking up on my couch and then later on when he says beheadings are on Wednesday I was like oh my God that's better than I am not a merry man. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Worf has definitely got it going on. Michael Dorn nailed it 110%. And him and Rafi so far have this thing going on that I really, really like. I mean, I, I see something there. At least I think I see something there. Maybe it's just because I think Worf is the coolest dude ever, but I just I think there's something there, especially since he calls her is the only one that calls her by her actual name. And I think that's so cool, too. And uh, when he threw the Doc Tog and it stuck into the, into the deck, I'm like, whoa. Because uh-huh. if you guys remember, Worf, whenever they had an alien of the week, monster of the week, bad guy of the week, and they wanted to show how awesome and powerful and badass this new guy was, he beat up Worf. In every episode, Worf would be the one that got beat down by the old guy with the slug in him. You know, he'd be the guy that got beat down by the escaped convict or whatever. The old lady that turns into a giant creature, whatever. It was always Worf that got beat up. But this new Worf is a badass. He's not going to get beat up by anyone. He's going to be doing the beat down. I love him. Absolutely just love this this new this new wharf. I think he's well, remember, Jim, he's also wiser now. That's right. He's wiser. He's got this Tai Chi like samurai thing going on, which is really <laughs> cool. And he, he's the casual Klingon. You know, he, he actually says that to Rafi. Rafi says something to him like, Oh, well, a Klingon warrior skulking around won't attract any tension. And he says, I'm not a Klingon warrior. This is casual Klingon. And I just, Love the way he delivers his lines, like, like just perfect. And uh, the casual Klingon line. I got to find me some casual Klingon to wear when I go out to conventions now instead of a Starfleet <laughs> uniform. I do love the wharf thing. And I don't know if you guys noticed or not, but when Warafi wakes up and Worf is doing his samurai Tai Chi thing there um, in the La Serena, 
Did you happen to notice the music that was playing at that yeah. particular scene? Yep. Yeah. What What was it? It was the music from um, one of the DS9 episodes. I thought <clears throat> it's Klingon opera. I it believe. was it, it was from the beginning of Star Trek First Contact. That's the song that the card is listening to when Riker walks into his ready room. Hmm. And I thought that was that was such a cool tie in there. Um, so I thought that was awesome as well. Because they could have easily played the Klingon music that they played last week when he beheaded the Ferengi, but they didn't. They 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 went with a, a deep cut from Star Trek First Contact. And I love that when they do that. So, yeah. For me, Worf and Rafi saved this episode wickedly. I mean, way, way. I, I agree with our our fan that the exchange between Beverly and Picard, it could have been a lot different than it was and I felt that Beverly I agree Beverly kind of uh, put Jean-Luc in his place there um, I think so that, that, that was cool um, Riker Riker definitely was you know not of, of sorts in this particular episode I didn't feel um, so yeah there was that as well uh, seven of nine, saving the day, of course, with her Fenris Rangers tricks. Pretty cool. Uh, she figured that out. Um, and then, of course, for me, the, the, the thing for me that drew this episode down, the founders disappointed me to no end. I was so let down when we found out that they were the founders. I was like, Really? Really, we're going back there again? We had four seasons of Founders on Deep Space Nine, and now we're doing it again? Major letdown. Um, anybody else besides the Founders would have been great for me. I, I don't like the Founder thing, because, because now we're like, well, maybe it wasn't really Riker that threw Picard off the bridge. Maybe that was a Founder in disguise. Maybe that really wasn't seven of nine. Maybe that was a founder. I, I, I just don't like the fact that they picked the founders of all possible. But uh, Jim, didn't you laugh? I also don't think that you? that's the, the be all and end all, right? I mean, I think it's, it's I, uh, jumping the gun to assume that the founders are the big bad driving all of the, you know, oomph of this season. I don't think so. I, I don't, and, and I'll tell you why I don't think so, Paul, because, uh, and Eric, Eric will have to confirm this because I, I like I don't go back and rewatch all episodes of, of every. I just can't binge that many episodes. But I seem to recall that the founders, the, the the Great Link. If these if these founders broke away from the Great Link, they they don't actually have any um, uh, um, uh, political sway or power once they leave the Link, right? They're like just individual dudes just running around because we know that the founders left on Earth because they stayed there. There was two on Earth at the end of Deep Space Nine, right? As far as I know. Yeah, I mean, we we definitely know that this was a rogue faction and that they're not connected to the founders at all and that presumably the founders that we know at the end of Deep Space Nine are still chilling, uh, minding their own business in their giant soup together. 
honestly. I think this is this is like the cruise of Klingons, right? It's like rogue faction out there doing whatever they want. Right, and I don't think that that alone is enough to, like Paul said, I, I think there's 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 going to be more than just that, than just a couple of founders sabotaging a ship. But it was highly disappointing for you, anyway. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't like it. I and I'll tell you why. When 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 Crusher says trust no one, and we first meet Sean, he's being a dink, and he's eating and he's eating raw steak with blood dripping off of it. And the first thing that popped in my mind is the the, the alien race that we know of that eats raw food and trusts no one was those little, I don't know what they were, the the the, the, the little bug things that were living inside a Remick. And that, that story was season one of episode of TNG Conspiracy. They sent the message out into space to their fellow slugs and never heard from again. And, and I thought, okay, well, this is them coming back because it, it fit everything. And it's the founder. I see. So, you're, so what you're saying is that you, you kind of like foresaw the way it was going to go and it didn't go that way. And so that – Not exactly. That was, Not exactly. Yeah. No. I just – I just think that that um, I just don't like talking. Charles, did you have something you were going to say there? Yeah, well, I remember Jim saying last week, it's like, well, I don't think the Shrike is the big enemy. I think there's something bigger behind her. And immediately with the founders popping in, okay, there is something bigger but there's something more going on than just somebody going after Jack Crusher that we didn't think much of the B story and we're finding out, no, the B story is a lot bigger than we think it is. And did you guys notice uh, on the bottom of the strike, did you notice what it looks like? It looks like an eyeball. Well, Well, we've been talking for weeks about, it looks like a piece of the Enterprise D. It looks like it looks like the it looks like this the Enterprise D. I, I paused it. Yeah. I was like, wow. yeah, we've been talking about that for a couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I that because was... Charles was the one who said he thought it was a Packlid ship that was like <laughs> yeah, other stuff together. But you know what I think is that the introduction of the Dominion into this episode has just confirmed for me who um, who Vadic's helmsmen are. I think they're Breen. I think this ship is Breen technology. Oh, interesting. I mean, the ship looks just like one of those Breen fighter ships, except that those were asymmetrical, and this one isn't, but it has the same kind of, like, spidery configuration. And when you look to the people on her on her bridge talk, they have that kind of, like, wow, 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 kind of voice thing that the Breen had back on DS9. That's really interesting. I never thought of that. Yeah. I don't know, that's my prediction. We'll have to see, but I think I think that that's the. And then you, you notice that like the. Uh, sorry to jump in here, Jim. I didn't mean to jump in on you, but like we're talking about Vic and like the scars on her face, and you know the fact that she's the marked woman. So I saw this other thing that was like it showed the scars on her face. It showed the scars on the Ferengi who got his chop his head chopped off's face, which were identical which then also look like the little weird things that are in the vision um, where Seven, remember, is there. And there's all these, like, weird 
slimy worm things kind of crawling on the bulkhead in the background. Uh, I'm wondering if there's a whole connection to all to those three things too: the Ferengi, Vatic, Seven, um, some sort of vision that's happening there. Hmm. Those tendrils that we saw with Seven, those crazy red tendrils, right? Yeah. That was definitely a big reveal. I mean, I don't totally. think we know what that is referencing yet, but that was definitely, uh, you know, and it was interesting that it was Jack who saw it, right? And he saw it like when he was really, you know, oxygen deprived and being, you know, poisoned and he's his most vulnerable, but he has this kind of visionary moment where it's interesting because we're not even really super clear that, that you know, real Seven is in the room yet. Right. Because right. it seems like he's still by himself when he has that vision. Right. And then, you know, it goes from weird visionary red tendril seven to sent the, what we're perceiving is, you know, real seven coming to help him. So to me, I think, you know, I don't remember ever uh, the founders having a bunch of red tendrils. Right. So I'm like, I think, to me, that reinforces the idea that, you know, OK, maybe the founders are part of, you know, like, uh, you know, to use you know, video game parlance, a, a secondary boss or what have you, but they're not the big boss of whatever this plot is, right? I mean, I'm, it's, your founders are fine, right? I'm kind of with Jim. I don't really like repeats where it's something that we've seen before, especially I, I don't like the whole uh, devi- uh, device. I mean, you see this with, uh, I mean, in Marvel, right? Well, they can imitate anybody, right? So it's just, you know, because it leads to a lot of cheap reveals, right? Where it's just like, oh, that's not really Worf. It's really, you know, uh, you know, whoever, right? That's it's kind of tedious. I love Jim's idea, though, that it's the slug creatures from season one from Conspiracy. I, I would love it if that boar fruit would be great. But I'm super curious about that, man. What's up with those red tendrils? I mean, to me, that was a really big moment where we're like, okay, we need to be paying attention to this, and this is where we start. And that, to me, looked like something new. I mean, does anyone remember a weird red, red tendril thing that, from past? Uh, the red tendrils kind of remind me of uh, Tholians for some reason. It kind of looked crystallized. Now, that was funny. I thought there... they looked more like amoebas, like more organic. It's... They looked organic, like plant life or something, like something like it reminded me of like what you see in the upside down and uh, Stranger Things. Right. Yeah. So very curious, though. It was really I I thought that was a really interesting reveal. And I love that there was no context or they didn't hit you over the head with it. Right. It was just here's this moment. You see it. And then right after that, friends, if I I watched it a second time, do you recall that right as his vision was ending, there was like a flash uh, shot of a door closing. A red door. Yeah, it was open. There was like a door, and there was it was half a jar with a like gold light coming out of it, and then it just suddenly closed. I was just like, "What is going on there?" But it was just really. No. I thought that was another really interesting moment. The thing that I thought of. Remember the episode Prodigy where they crashed on that planet, and they had oh. the minerals that would that that were the they had to feed the planet the crystals yeah. that the Ferengi wanted. Um, remember that episode? Mm-hmm. They reminded me of those tendrils from that planet that would make you uh, think whatever it wanted you to think while it sucked out your life force. I can't remember the title of the episode. You guys know yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah, when they yeah. crash land on the planet. On that planet. No, no, not crash land. No, they were exploring the planet. That's right. Her father was there, but he really wasn't there. Remember that one. Yeah. I was Although thinking, I do want to so- say one thing. I actually wanted to mention one thing before we move on to this topic, because in that scene, 
right after the red door opening and closing, did you guys <clears throat> did you guys notice that Seven wasn't wearing her mask when she picked him up? You mean her, uh, board, her board yeah. eyepiece, yeah. Yeah, this whole changeling story maybe made me think that she's actually a changeling now that came back. Maybe there's multiple changelings on the trip, so I don't know. But yeah, she wasn't uh, wearing I, a mask in that room. It's the seven from season two of Picard. <laughs> oh, God. I know, exactly. Wow. Uh, I just hope they continue to, to give us stuff that we haven't seen before, right? And, and yeah, yeah. mine's some new territory. I, I, I'm, I don't want to go back and have Dominion War Part Two. Um, you know, I mean, I'm sure it could be interesting, but... Uh, but I, I think the we deserve something fresh, right? And I don't want it to be, oh, it's cute. I don't want it to be, you know, that kind of thing too. I mean, uh, you know, I'm I like Jim's idea of the the slug creatures from Conspiracy is cool because that was a thread that was left dangling, right, and was mm-hmm. never resolved. And it's just like if I'm pitching a next gen movie to a studio, I'm pitching that concept because that's a really cool major threat that was never explored, right? You know, like Highline's the Puppet Masters, right? A very, uh, you could definitely do a feature out of that. So it wouldn't upset me at all if that ended up being kind of where they're going because they were kind of a, a good, creepy, one of the most violent scenes in Next Gen ever, right? It, uh, it, it happens at the end, right? And uh, it, would, it would be very interesting. Now, what did you guys think about, uh, about Sydney LaForge? I, I kind of like her. Mm-hmm. I think she's pr- I think she's pretty cool, and I'm really I'm really anxious to see what they do with her. Yeah, I, I like that she uh, I like it when Riker says keep it squirrely, uh, and she understands exactly what that means right away. <laughs> right now, we haven't gotten enough of her own personality. She's like whipped out the my dad says lines a couple of times, but I think it's super cool that they've got her on the bridge, and that there's going to be likely a very cool crossover when they finally do get her to finding um, Jordy. I, you know, there's a couple of other kind of like minor bridge crew that I'm curious about. There's the, there's the Bajoran dude who like Ro Laren wears his earring on the left side instead of the right side, which I've tried to do some research online and there's some like confusing outlooks on what exactly that means. If, if nothing, you know, if, if, if means anything, um, you'll remember that most Bajorans were on the right side. The Bajorans who worship the Pa rays at, towards the end of DS9 also were on the left-hand side, but that they weren't the only ones who were on the left because Rolaren as well. So questions about that minor character, I still have. But yeah, I, I hope that they continue to bring those out a little bit more. The Vulcan, the bald Vulcan, she seems really cool. Um, really cool, really cool. Smarter than everyone else, right? Uh, like, uh, dude, yeah. how many times do I have to say that I'm detecting biological signatures? It's like she keeps, you know, throwing she that out there. And it's like, like no one's it paying attention to her. It is logical to do this, and nobody's paying attention to her. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I'm listening guys, to her because she seems like the smartest one on the bridge, right? I mean, completely. Yeah, for sure. In, in her bio, the reason why she's bald is because she has some Delton lineage in her. Okay. Do you remember this? Delton. So that would be that would be really interesting then, because that would be a extremely emotional, empathetic Vulcan, you would think, right? With that Delton blood. Yeah. I mean, come on, Deltons are like the opposite end of the 
spectrum from Vulcans. Yeah, they run around pond firing at the drop of a hat. All the time. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do with that character. Well, guys, I don't want to get too deep into this without bringing up another major point. I mean, we talked about the possible green connection reveal here. Let's talk about what was stolen from the Daystrom Institute. I know what I think it is. What do you think it was that's not the portal technology? The weapon that is more significant than the portal technology. What is it? I think it had so something Genesis to do with the, uh, maybe that. Or I think it had something to do with what was inside of um, Picard's vault from the earlier season. Interesting. Very interesting. Uh, I, what did you say, Jim? I okay. didn't hear what you said. The Genesis device. All right. What do you think there, uh, Charles? Uh, I just thought about something. <clears throat> we don't know where they stash Moriarty. Well, Moriarty we know where they... Did he we end know... up getting... They know they put him in the computer, but we don't know where that data bank was later stored. They could have put him in the Daystrom Institute in one of their computers. There is somebody else we know. And there's the Daystrom still Institute. know that lore might be out there. That is your weapon. Lore is a weapon that was stolen that is more important than the portal technology. That is the prediction. Lore <laughs> has now been stolen from the Daystrom Institute. Hmm. Huh. It's got to be him, right? It's got to be the way that they're going to bring him into the story. And then Laura's going to have a Moriarty connection. He's being the one who brings Moriarty into it. So does that mean then, Eric, and let me first of all parenthetically say I like that idea. I think that could be interesting, you know, uh, because hashtag acting. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, does that mean when we get to the Daystrom Institute, I does that – Tell us that perhaps Jordy LaForge is working there, and that's how we'll meet Jordy because we haven't met yeah. Jordy yet. I think so. Right? I mean, that kind of seems like it could be a, a, a good fit there. But uh, but it's very interesting. I kind of like where you're going, brother. Mm-hmm. But then I usually do. <laughs> but, uh, well, but yeah, I, I think probably... that it's it's certainly a way more intriguing concept to me than oh, it's the founders again and the Dominion War and blah 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 blah. Right? I mean, because well, you know nothing is better than a than a than a malicious. Uh, smarter than we are antagonist, right? Uh, and, you know, Vodic sure ain't that, well, right? You know, it's just, well, here's it's just, the thing you know, to realize, quick. Without, without Maddox around and the Soon family is gone, who's the probably one of the be- most well-known knowledge of pe- positronic technology? Jordy. Hmm. Jordy LaForge. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, very smart. I like it, guys. I think it's cool. Yeah. Do you mind if I just mention one scene real quickly Just that I, I just want to get off my chest because it's something I really liked uh, and it really helped me uh, get more on board with this season? Absolutely. Just, just real quickly is because somebody mentioned it in the, uh, in the comments, the fan comments, is um, – I really, really liked that scene in uh, where the two of them are alone with Card and uh, and Beverly, where you know it's like he comes in there and uh, 
He doesn't even say, hey, would you mind telling me what happened and what's been going on? He just stands there and stares at her and, and asks the question with the expression on his face. And it's great. It's like she's just waiting and she knows exactly what he wants to know and she starts talking. And just the dynamic between those two, um, that was just like watching a stage, a really well-directed stage play, right? I mean, it's just like you can tell that those two worked that out with their good buddy director over and over and over again. And I just thought the scene played extremely well and uh, played against some of the conventional expectations that we might have. And, uh, and I thought she made some interesting points. Right. And uh, to me, there was just like the most heartbreaking line of dialogue on the entire episode was from Patrick Stewart when he's just looking at her and goes, what could have been had I known? What yeah. might I have been? What might I have been? I mean, the wow. I mean, that was like Shakespearean, man. That was just like, that was just the, the whole regret of lost possibilities and roads not taken, right? Uh, it was just, it was a phenomenal moment uh, between the two of them and just heartbreaking for him. So I thought that was really interesting. And then he comes away from it and he's just like, he's just bruised, right? He's just, you know, he goes back to, Riker and he's just like there's nothing that can be done it's irreparable right he's having like a, a King Lear moment of turning your back on your child right it's just he's he's moving into like a, a very narrow uh, dark place and he's goes on from that point on it's really interesting on the second viewing to watch this episode it's like he's only watched it once I'd watch it again but it's like he's kind of using Riker's grief for his you know lost son against him to manipulate him it's really you know oh i understand your fear of loss you know and 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 all that stuff i'm like that's that's not really the ethical john luke picard i would i would have thought would have come out of that scene with beverly it's like he really kind of you know kind of what he talks about being afraid of his father well he's kind of acting more like his father in these scenes than than i think he realizes right kind of a little bit more of a bitter man so I find it really, really interesting, and I and I really, you know, like the fact that we're getting a little bit more insight into Jack Crusher now. I find myself actually being more intrigued by the character. I still think he's ten years too old. Sorry, actor, love you, but I just, you're just too old. But I really like the performance, and I'm starting to get more of a sense of the character, right? And I I feel like uh, it almost, you know, if anyone wants to get a, you know. Uh, a law passed that maybe Jonathan Frakes should just be able to direct everything. <laughs> he really gets actors, right? He really does. He really understands Star Trek and he really gets actors, right? He's, he's kind of like the, uh, uh, he just has that great insight and he brings, I've, I've, I've heard amazing things about, uh, about what's going on in this week's episode. Cause I think he directed it again is what I've heard. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, he's like the John Favreau of what John Favreau is to Star Wars. I feel like Frakes is to Star Trek, right? He just gets it so well. And uh, that was a marvelous scene, I thought. So I'm really intrigued because there's so much more character work happening now. And uh, I, 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 when I see this conflict and grief between our beloved characters, I want them to make it right, right? I'm like, oh, don't be upset. I went, you know, you, you, you know, you. There's still a chance for you, Beverly and John Luke. You can still, you know, heal this thing, right? I mean, don't you sort of sort of feel you just find your, you find yourself rooting for them now more to, because it's like they've 
gone to a much darker place from where they when we left them before. So I, I'm I'm way more intrigued now by it. Um, and God, I'm really the more I think about what Eric just suggested. God, I hope he's right. That would be really cool to me. I would find that fascinating. And Eric, you were about to say something, but I couldn't shut the hell up. Well, I was just gonna I was just gonna comment on what the theme that you're talking about here because to me, yeah, Frakes has got. I mean, Frakes is the man when it comes to directing. There's no question. And also, to me, the real strength of that scene between Beverly and Jean-Luc is the marriage between the writing and the acting because they they sit there and they talk to each other for like five or seven minutes or something. And it's a pretty solid amount of screen time. And at the end of that conversation, I still don't know who's right. I still yeah. don't know who made the yeah. bad decision or who like should have done something different. Like there are two people who are hurt. There's a kid who like is hurt and I don't know what the right answer to fix it is. And me, it feels like they both have legitimate emotions. Absolutely. Absolutely. And to me, that is felt very realistic to me, right? Where it's just yeah. like, no, this, it's like, if, you know, I mean, everybody who's married's had an argument, right? And it's, it's rare that oh, one no, person's no, totally I wrong. Ever, ever <laughs> argue with my wife ever? She's right now. <laughs> no, but I just, well, I just wanted to well, add fascinating. About what you were saying there, Paul, because I do feel like the just the writing and the acting just really played into the realism of that scene, which is why I think it was probably the best scene in the episode. Well, yeah, it's just it was like watching two masters at work, right? I was just like, that's. That's the kind of thing I was hoping for when we heard about, oh, it's going to be all the next-gen characters back together, right? Because, and what's great is, you know, they're starting to give us uh, things where, where the characters have changed. They're different. They're not just giving us fan service of stuff that we already know and love and, like, playing all the familiar beats. It's like Worf is different than the Worf we knew, right? Um, Beverly is different from the Beverly we knew. Um, and John Luke is different. So it's there's some differences, right? And I don't think they're, you know, they may be a little off-putting as far as differences at first initially, but when we start to dig into it, it's, it's, it's intriguing to me. And it really seems like they made a great effort to focus on character here. And so well, I'm super excited now. I feel like I'm over those first couple episodes. And it's once we get rid of Vatic and start finding out what's really going on, I'm going to be, I think, super excited. I want to go back to something that Frakes, because uh, Frakes directed this episode. There's another scene that I think is, is brilliant in this episode, and that's the scene where we get the title of the episode, 17 Seconds, and that's where they go back in time, and we see a de-aged Riker and a de-aged Picard talking about the birth of Thaddeus, and Deanna Troy shows up on the screen. Kudos to her, and she had a, a different hairdo as well in that scene. And that whole conversation that Picard has with Riker that, about the birth of his son. That was really yeah, interesting. I thought yeah, it was interesting. If, if, you're I, father, yeah, but. If, if you're a father, you know exactly what Riker's talking about. Because up until, until your child is born and, they, and you hold that child in your arms for the first time, up to that point, you don't really know what you're in for. You think you do, but you don't. And I thought that, that, that Riker just hit the nail right on the head when he was explaining to Picard what it was like to realize he was a father and what that would mean to the rest of his life. I thought that was a, a, a phenomenal scene. Mm-hmm. 
Before we get time running out on this, guys, I, I feel like Charles was going to chime in and make a, a good point here a minute ago, and we kind of just all started steamrolling here. Can, Charles, let's get back to you on this, brother. Well, I kind of lost track of the other theme, but let's throw another one in there before we kind of get off, before we go off, and look at the good cop, bad cop scenario with Worf and Rathy and (laughs) the person they catch. (laughs) And the fact that Rathy looks at him as like, oh, this is an addict. And Worf's kind of looking at him as like, no, I suspect something else. And yet we find out that he's been, he's not gotten a chance to transform soon enough. And that Worf and, and and to Elizabeth's comment, I like the mention that he gives a nod to Odo. Mm-hmm. People are saying, oh, we ought to have Odo back. It's like, we can't have Odo back. Sorry, but rest in peace, Renee. We lost him a couple of years ago. But yeah. We still the best thing about the founders is they, they insult people by calling them solids. <laughs> But I just thought that that was another great scene that they put together was that was that sitting there trying to break this guy down and finding the truth. It's well, like, and the guy wow. acted the oh. heck out of it. I mean, yes, I did. was freaked he, out by the guy. It was almost like stigma or something. I mean, he was <laughs> he looked like he was going to explode. Yeah, I think he is, was sitting on like a paint shaker, like at the paint store, right? You know, he was just yeah. like vibrating and like the crazy. Thing is, <laughs> has anybody seen the pictures? He's a returning character. Mm-hmm. Anybody knows where he where he where he first appeared in Star Trek? Star Trek Generations, I believe he Star was one Trek of the Picard's kids. He was he was one of Picard's kids in the Christmas scene. And yep. he comes back at this guy, and it's like, wow, what an incredible acting scene. But you need somebody who was like Frakes would sit there and just make this, make this scene go and just make, this feel, make you put on the edge in the scene of what's going on. <clears throat> and what a great scene, too. It's like. No, I don't think the founders is the big central thing, but I think the the founders weren't the central part of the Dominion War. They were just sort of the aggravator in the series, in it. I think they're going to be an aggravator here, but there's something else going on. As we say, there's something that they're taking from Daystrom that's going to be a bigger problem. And they needed so the... Because, but also, back when we talked, back we talked a little earlier. Well, wait a minute. We saw somebody in the bar. We saw somebody on board ship. Oh, we got a saboteur on board ship. And I think that kind of just ties in where we sit there and say, oh, don't always let these little just red herrings be fake. They're real. They're trying to tie us into something. And there might have been the reason why he dropped that ship in the drink. Because they got something that they're trying to get uh, Picard out of the way. 
So, Charles, on a scale of 1 to 10, what would your score be for this episode before uh, we run out? I'm going to go back to a 9 on this one. I was a little – I don't mind the Dominions. I think Riker's attitude towards the end was getting a little odd. Right. All right. That's cool. That's cool. How about you, Paul? I'm going to give it an eight. I think a, a really good solid eight. There were some things I wasn't crazy about, you know, here and there, but, uh, you know, I'm really the cat and mouse thing, wrath of Khan, you know, washrooms repeat chase in the nebulas is really getting old. We got to get out of this freaking nebula. Okay. I'm just like that and Vatic and the portals. I'm just like, Oh, just those kind of things. Just they, they wear, wear you out a little bit, but, uh, but boy, the character work and the the dynamic and just the charisma of the crew and the and and all of those thing with our main characters is really delightful and and I want more of that stuff and I want more of Worf and Rafi, uh, so that's that's pretty cool to me. So I'm I'm super excited. If I was a half score giver, which I'm not, I would give it an eight point five. So I'm gonna stick with eight, but pretty close, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but. Uh, but a, a very affectionate eight. Um, it really benefits from a second viewing. I think if you've not watched it a second time yet, fans, I would definitely check it out again. And uh, super looking forward to the next one I'm going to watch tonight. And how about you, David? I am actually pretty excited for the return of the Dominion. Um, I actually like the story plot that they're going for. I was actually surprised that they brought them back but yeah i i really liked this episode i think it's probably one of the best ones i've seen out of all of the cards so far um lots of mystery which i really like so i'm i'm heading towards my normal 10 this is probably one of the best episodes i've ever seen so yeah a 10 and what about you eric uh, I think right there with a lot of you guys, uh, I'm going to go with an 8.5. There are some things that are happening that I really, really like. I actually like how Picard, or, uh, Riker is treating Picard because I think Picard does tend to have some sheer effing hubris every now and then, and it's good for him to kind of get put back in his place as part of this series on a regular basis. So, uh, And I also, with David, very excited about them expanding uh, – Dominion style stories. I think these guys are smart enough to not give us the same thing over and over again. The fact that I think that these are Breen folks on the bridge of this ship, if they dig in the Breen culture some more, I am going to flip my lid. So yeah, eight and a half here and I'm digging it so far. I I wanted to give it a 10 simply because of Worf and Rafi, but I had to knock a point off for the, for the Dominion thing. So I'm going to go with a nine on this one. And uh, what's the grand total What's the grand total for for us, uh, okay. Charles? Well, the grand total is rather interesting. Because this, I think, is the first time this has ever happened. We have matched the viewers at 8.9. Wow. <laughs> Yay, math. Wow. That's, pretty cool. that's the power of math, people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I want to I wanna say... Um, to our very own Ray for calling in from the Bronx, New Yay, York, Ray. and happy birthday to Ray. And thank you so much to our very own Paul for hanging out and talking with us and have a good time 
from Costa Rica next week, Paul. Thanks, man. I'm going to miss the conversation, but uh, I'll be uh, all full of beans when I get back, so worry not. <laughs> and I, I'm, I, I'm curious. See if you can tune in to us down there while you're there. I'm, I mean, yeah, I, know we have I don't fans. think I'm going to have a whole kind of free time in that uh, nature of things. <laughs> I'm going to be, uh, and, uh, I'm gonna be checked so out. Thank you so much to David for hanging out with us on Truck Talking. Thank you, David. Yeah, it's been fun. And, of course, thank you to our very own Eric as well. Thank you, Eric. You bet, guys. Have a great night. And thank you so much to Charles for hanging out on Truck Talking with us. Thank you, Charles. Oh, thank you. I love hearing the debates. And uh, next week we'll be talking about No Win Scenario, which is the episode that's on tonight, also directed by Jonathan Frake. So I'm pretty sure it'll be a good one as well. So as usual, guys, please, everybody, stay safe and be good to each other. Star Trek fans are the best fans. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Good night. Live long and prosper. Good night, guys. Be well. Take care. Let's see what's out there. Engage. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.